Revelation. And we need to move on because there's a lot of chapters in the book of Revelation. Uh, but it is a wonderful book. And sadly, it's a book that many Christians don't read and many Christians don't understand. Um, but it is a wonderful book. And there's lots of things which are given, yes? And we'll, let's just state some of these things which are given in the book of Revelation for our foundation of understanding the whole book. Right? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. It's all for his glory. It's all about the history of the church. This is the day of grace that we're in at the moment. The, his the history of the church is in the day of grace. When that day of grace comes to an end, the rapture will have taken place, yes? And remember that the churches in Revelation are a prophetic history of the church and its eventual apostasy. But eventually, the church will be in glory raptured. That's where we are seen in Revelation. We are in the glory viewing all these things that we're reading of. And we have intelligence in the glory, yes? We know perfectly what's going on, which is a wonderful thing, isn't it? And we, remember we said the church in glory is represented by the 24 elders. And that could mean New Testament saints and Old Testament saints, because they're there as well, yes, in the rapture. We forget that, don't we? We think rapture is just us going. So Old Testament saints will be risen as well to be with the Lord. So that's the thing we, we will do. And we all think of what's coming in the future and the millennial kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Still many Christians out there do not believe there will be a millennial kingdom of a thousand years. But if you read the book of Revelation later on in the chapters, it clearly states that there will be a thousand years reign of Christ in the book of Revelation. So all you've got to do is read it and you've got the truth of God's word. And that's going to be a wonderful time, isn't it? When the Lord reigns. And the wonderful thing about that is he reigns with his church. Heirs with God, heirs with Jesus Christ. And we will come down with the Lord into this world and we will have responsibilities given to us in that kingdom. It's going to be wonderful, isn't it? To see that millennial for a thousand years. And even the animal creation comes into the blessing of that. Yes. Wonderful. Well, now we're going to look at uh, we're to chapter 8 and chapter 9. It's getting a little bit more complex now with the <laughs> symbolism, yes? So bear with me. It is getting a little bit more complicated with symbolism. But if we can interpret the symbols, we're, it's good. So we need to read both chapters, 8 and 9, because they're all linked, really. And it's the seventh seal. And the seventh seal is the trumpets, the judgment of the trumpets. So verse 8, chapter 1 says, And when, we, when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. That's a very intriguing verse, isn't it? Uh, the concept of in heaven, not on earth, there is silence for half an hour. 
We'll talk about that in a minute. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there was voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared them to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of trees was burnt up and all the green grass was burnt up and the second angel sounded and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea and the third part of the sea became blood and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. And as the third part of them was darkened, the day shone not for the third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel, and the most translation says it was an eagle flying an eagle flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, War, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, by the reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. And the fifth angel sounded. I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days men shall seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, their heads were as it were crowns were like gold, and their faces were as faces of men. They had hair as hair of women, and their teeth were as teeth of lions. They had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, 
and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots and many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tail, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One war is past, and behold, there come two wars more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which was before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed and were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as heads of lions, and out of their mouth issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like unto serpents, and had heads with them that they do hurt. And the rest of the men which are not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of their works of their hands, that they should not worship the devils and the idols, and of gold and of silver and brass and stone, and of wood, which neither see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now that is remarkable, this last verse, isn't it? All these judgments are coming about upon them, and still they do not repent. And they worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass. They repented not of their murderers, sorcerers, or their fornication, or of their thefts. Such is the heart of man. Right, let's talk about this verse 1 then. That was a lot of information, wasn't it? <laughs> I remember Andrew talking just sometime when you preached last time. Sometimes you can read a passage of scripture and you think, ah, did I get anything out of that? Or have I got something out of that? Now you might be sitting there thinking, I haven't got anything out of that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Or you might be thinking, ah, yeah, I'm catching on with the, the symbols, yeah? the sun and so forth, and what it means. Uh, so you, you might start to develop to understand it. But it, it is, that was heavy going, wasn't it? Right. Seven seals opened. There was silence in heaven, a space of half an hour. We're not sometimes very comfortable with silence, are we? Sometimes silence is nice. Lots of people who live on their own, I live on my own, they go into the house, don't they? And they can't stand the silence. Telly goes on, radio goes on. <laughs> yeah, they're, not listening, they're not watching the telly. They're not listening to the radio. They just want some background noise because the house is too quiet. They don't like quiet. Do they? And we have lots of people in the world today, don't they? They're going around with these headphones on, blaring music out. In their cars, the music's going boom, 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 isn't it? When they pass you in their cars. And... It's no wonder they'll be deaf before they get older. 
But it's noise. They just want noise. To, to sit down and be quiet for a few minutes would be foreign <coughs> to them, isn't it? Foreign. But here is a silence. And it's the silence of heaven. And they're silent for half an hour because of the extent and the seriousness of the judgment is about to come on the third part of the earth, which is the Roman Empire. Yes. Now, we've talked about the empires. It, it, it's linked to Daniel, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire. It's when, it, when the Bible talks about the earth, all those powers are represented in the prophetic earth, yes? They're all part of prophecy. The book of Daniel is absolutely wonderful. The, the book of Daniel explains the conquests of Alexander the Great. It also mentions Cleopatra in there. And the, the book is so accurate that skeptics say, right, that was written after the events took place. No, it wasn't. It was written before the events took place. It was yeah, prophesied. So you can read all those events that took place before they actually took place in, in the world. That is amazing, isn't it? And God is in control of all these empires. He's in control. Especially of the Babylonians. Now there is some references in scripture to silence. A silence on earth. And one of my favourites is Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk, which is the Minor Prophets. And Habakkuk says in chapter 2, verse 20, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The Lord is in his temple, and all the earth keeps silence before him. Now, Habakkuk had a problem with God, yes. <laughs> he had a problem with the nation of Israel, uh, and he's having a tete-a-tete with the Lord, yes. He's not happy, Habakkuk, as a prophet. He says, because he, he sees deterioration in the morals of Israel, he sees no righteousness in Israel, yes. He's complaining about all these things. He says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Exclamation mark. Yes. He's a bold prophet, isn't he? He's stating his mind. The Lord doesn't mind that, by the way. If it's for his glory, he would not mind that. Even cry out unto thee of violence. And he says, you're not saving. You will not save. He says, why are you showing me iniquity? Why am I beholding grievance? Spoiling, violence, strife, contention. Why am I seeing all these things? The law is slack. Judgment doesn't go forth. The wicked compass the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. So he's having his, his say unto God, yes? Then he says, I'm going to stand on my watchtower and I'm going to wait for the answer that God is about to give me. And he says, I will see what I shall answer when I am reproved. So he's expecting to be reproved by God because he's just 
spoken a mouthful to him, hasn't he, really? But God answers him. God answers him. And tells him what is to come. And he actually tells him that the Lord is raising up the Babylonian kingdom to chastise Israel. Now, Habakkuk had an issue with that as well. He couldn't understand why God takes a wicked kingdom like Babylon to punish Israel. He couldn't understand it. But sometimes, you know, the Lord does what he will do. And the Lord did eventually carry off Judah, didn't he, into Babylon, where they stayed for a long, year, long, long time, 70 years. But he says in this book, you know, the Lord is in his temple, that all the earth keeps silence before him. The Lord knows what he's doing with all his kingdom. His purposes will be fulfilled in everything. Now, in, it's, there's also one in Zechariah as well. Verse in Zechariah, chapter 2, verse 13. So now we're going around lots of places in the Bible, aren't we? You can see the Bible is all joined together, can't you? Well, Zechariah, chapter 2, verse 13. Again, this is on a happier note for Zechariah because it says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come to dwell in the midst of thee. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion, in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. So it's a message of hope. And he says, Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. In other words, the Lord is taking action. The Lord is taking action. And here, the Lord in Revelation is taking action. And the action is in judgment. Hence, the silence. So he sees these seven angels which stood before God, before them seven trumpets. So these are called the trumpet judgments. And trumpets are quite loud, aren't they? I know, when I think of trumpets, I always think of Moses on Mount Sinai. It said Moses trembled exceedingly when there was the, the you know, the, the rumblings and the lightnings, and the, it, it terrified him. The sound of the trumpets. So, a trumpet is a loud noise, and a trumpet is to get your attention, isn't it? When you listen to these trumpets, listen to what the trumpets are telling us. So, and verse 3 is interesting because it says another angel. Many of the brethren writers say there that is not an angel as such. It is the Lord Jesus Christ in the capacity of a high priest who is offering prayers through a censer on the golden altar. Right? If you have an issue with that, it goes back to the Old Testament where Jesus often appeared in human form as the angel of the covenant. So sometimes he's, he's known as an angel. Sometimes in scripture angel means angel, sometimes it may mean him, whatever the context is in. Yes. Classic example is Samson, yes? 
his wife, the Lord appeared to his wife and told her she's going to be pregnant and she's going to have Samson. Samson would be born. So, and he was told clearly, you know, he, he must not drink wine and not cut his hair. Those are the rules. But Manoah didn't see when the Lord had appeared, so he asked for him to come back again. So he did, he came back, and then he went up in a flame of fire, back up into heaven. And Manoah said, he thought he was undone because he said, we have seen God. That's what he means. So, now, why is the Lord here offering up prayers at sense incense? Because it's in response to chapter 6, which was the seals, and verse 10. Where these people who are suffering tremendously, they cry to the Lord with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So they're crying for vengeance, yes? This is one thing in the day of grace Christians do not do. Right? We do not cry for vengeance on people. This is the day of grace. Right? But this is a totally different context. There is suffering and they can cry for vengeance. So the Lord is responding to their cry for vengeance by answering their prayers. Right? And as a result of that, he sends down voices, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquakes into the earth. So the Lord is responding to their prayers. Just like he responds to our prayers now. A different context. So the first angel sounds and there's followed hail, fire mingled with blood. Hail and fire and blood. God's consuming judgments, hail and fire. It's something that Israel experienced, isn't it? God is intervening now in a much more serious way and to a greater extent. When we looked at the, um, the seven seals, it talks about a quarter of the earth was affected. You may have picked up in these two readings, it mentions constantly one third, one third, one third. Yes. So that's worse, isn't it? In its extent. It's worse and more intense in its judgments because God is intervening. Now, God has intervened in this world, hasn't he? He intervened right at the beginning when there was a, a flood. He destroyed mankind because mankind was so off the rails. They were, the only judgment was to destroy the earth. And only Noah and eight people were saved. Noah or eight people were saved. He intervened in judgments upon Egypt for the benefit of the children of Israel, yes? He sent all those plagues upon Egypt, and one of them was hail and fire, and the rivers turning red and things like that. God's intervention at those times, he intervenes. At the moment in this day of grace, he's not intervening, is he? He's allowing it to go on, but the day will come when all that will end, and he will intervene. And so he says, first angel, cast upon the earth. The third part of the trees, now again, symbolism is a tree, a tree, or is a tree, what we said last time, is someone who is 
eminent a leader or in authority. Yeah. Remember, tree is in Nebuchadnezzar. It's lofty. Nebuchadnezzar was likened unto a tree and he was a leader, yes, a great leader. So the trees mean here, the place. The green grass, all burnt up. Does that mean the actual green grass was burnt up? Or does it mean something else? Scripture does talk about all flesh is grass. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth. So man is quite frail, aren't we? One Peter tells us about the grass. Isaiah 40 tells us that we're grass. We're very fragile. But it could also mean in this context prosperity. So the prosperity of men are going to be affected. The second angel sounds, and it were a great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. We all know that mountains mean great powers, doesn't it? Or kingdoms, the Babylonian kingdom. The scripture talks about the mountain of the Lord, which is his millennial kingdom. It's a mountain, but it's a kingdom. So it's great, it's a great power. But it's been cast down into the sea. And the sea sets forth the nations in a state of unrest. Yeah. The wicked are like the cruel sea. It's always at, not at rest, is it, the sea? It's always moving about. So the, the nations are at rest in the sea. Unrest. And part of the sea became blood. And then it says it affects the ships as well. A third part of the ships were destroyed. Now, if nations of the world need commerce, no, no, like commerce, you need ships to take things round so that you have everything you need. A good example of this is recent war in Putin, isn't it? That he wouldn't let the grain ships go out from Ukraine. So people started to suffer in Africa because there's no grain. They were dependent on these ships arriving with the appropriate foods and provisions that they needed. So if the judgment affects commerce, they're in big trouble, aren't they? They're in deep trouble. The third angel sounds. Fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the waters. And the star is called Wormwood. It's a poisonous weed, wormwood. And many men died in the waters because they were made bitter. Fourth angel, third part of the sun was smitten, the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars. We've seen the symbolism of the stars, the sun, the stars and the moon, yeah. or the moon and the stars. We've seen that symbolism. The sun is supreme, yeah. supreme in glory. So it speaks of government authorities which are supreme. Then you have the subordinate ones which are lesser glory. And that's the moon and the stars. So it's affecting the whole of governments. You can imagine the chaos that's taking place in the world, can't you, when you read all these things. 
darkness and confusion are coming in. And lots of things are happening all over the world, which will confuse everybody. Then we have this angel, the eagle, flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, war, war, war. So there's three more wars to come, even greater intensity than the ones before. Always getting more intense. And then we have this horrible concept of the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is called the abyss. Right? It's full of demons, evil spirits, locked away. Revelation tells us that Satan is cast into the abyss for a thousand years during the millennial reign, yes? He's banished, Satan is banished into the abyss, locked away for a thousand years. And then something we might not understand is at the end of the thousand years, he's let loose out of the abyss to cause havoc again. Now, you might, we might not understand that, might we? But that's in the Lord's mind. The Lord knows what he's doing, but he gets let free only his final destination is the lake of fire. There's no coming back from that. So we have this pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and there rose a smoke out of the pit and the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. So more darkness, more confusion. And these are horrible demons that come out of this pit to hurt and destroy and it particularly says who they're going to destroy those who have not the seal of God on their foreheads which is the unbelieving Jews remember that we talked about the believing Jews that were sealed 144,000 God sealed them with his seal these were unbelieving Jews who did not have the seal of God and it's they're targeted now from these demons that are coming out of the abyss. So there again is another thing we ask ourselves. Sometimes the Lord uses Satan to chastise. Yes. He allows him to do it. Classic example is Job, isn't it? Satan would accuse God, you know, you, you, you put a big hedge around Job, I can't touch him. Touch all that he has, he says, and he'll curse you to your face. So it was, the big challenge was going out. But the Lord allowed Satan to make Job go through all that suffering for his own purposes. Same here is allowing these demons out of the pit to do their damage for five months on these people who have not got the seal of God, the unbelievers. So bad it is, they shall seek death and not find it. Desire to die and not have it. Like locusts. You know what locusts do, don't they? They eat up everything, don't they? Not these locusts, don't they? have a leader. They have a king. So they're organized. Locusts don't have kings, yes? They're not organized like that. They just come in swarms. This one's got a king, Apollyon, which is the destroyer. He comes to destroy And then we've got the sixth angel, where we have 
loses the four angels which are bound in the great Euphrates. The Euphrates is quite interesting. It's Bible prophecy as well. It's the borders of the east. And that river is going to be dried up one day. It's a border at the moment. It's stopping people coming across, yes. But one day it's going to be drying up. There's even history on the news lately that Euphrates is drying up because they built this massive big dam to irrigate the land. And because they built this massive dam, it's, the river's now suffering elsewhere. So drying up, just like the Bible says. So prophecy quite close, yes? So, these four angels prepared an hour and a day and a month for the year to slay a third part of men. So, a third part of men are now going to be killed as well. Because these creatures are being released. And the number of the army of the horsemen is 200,000 thousand. That's a lot. They're going out to do their destructive work. And they're described. And by these three, the third part of men are killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone that issued out their mouths, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails. And the tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And then we get this amazing statement, they still did not repent, and they still want to worship demons and have nothing to do with God. Remarkable rebellion, isn't it? Even when they can see judgment is on them. Remarkable. So in then days, there's going to be lots of confusion, lots of people believing lies. Truth will have disappeared in that sense because it's all, it's all lies. And 2 Thessalonians tells us this. It says, the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he hath taken out of the way. What that means is, when the church is gone, so has the Holy Spirit gone from this world. All right? Now the Holy Spirit and the Lord's people are restrained to evil in the world. They're restraining evil at the moment. So you can imagine what happens when we're gone, that restraint has gone. So mankind will just go downhill and become extremely evil as it goes on. So it's only us being here at the moment and the Holy Spirit is restraining things for what is yet to come. But this is it. It says, it's not the truth, isn't it? It says, and with all deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion. So they don't believe the truth, so they get a strong delusion from God, and they believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Same aspect in Romans where Romans tells us, verse 28, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, 
filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, etc., etc. That's the heart of man, yes? So we can't really argue, can you, about these judgments that are coming on the world and the circumstances that we're in. It's a righteous judgment. God is righteous. He, he judges righteously. And aren't you glad you're not going to be through those days? That your soul is saved for eternity. And we know the truth of what is coming. Alright? Very important to tell you that. There's a girl at work called you know, Becky. And we've had very long, long conversations about her, about the Bible and lots of things. And she understands quite a lot of the Bible. And we had a big conversation one day and she took it all home and landed it all on her 16-year-old daughter, she said. Next day, she told her the lot, yes. <laughs> and she said, I said, what happened? She said, she burst into tears. <laughs> she was crying. And I said, what did you emphasize? She said, she just emphasized all the bad Right? and didn't emphasize any of the good that the Lord Jesus Christ has come into the world to save you from your sins. So she got the balance wrong, yes? But she just took all the information and just popped it all on her daughter, <laughs> which is probably not a good idea, yes? It's love, really. Should have mentioned the love, I said. Did you mention the love? No. <laughs> You've got to mention the love when, you, when you're talking about the gospel to people, aren't you? Not just you're going to hell and you're condemned and so forth. There's love in it. It's closing prayer. Well, Father, we thank thee once again for the preciousness of thy word and the things that we know in our hearts and the future that is coming. We long for the day, Lord, when you will have thy glory in thy kingdom. We shall be there with thee. We long for the day when we shall be caught up to be with thee, as we've mentioned already. But that's what we're looking forward to. And perhaps today we say the Lord will come. He will come in the right time, the correct moment and we shall be with him forever. Again, we give thanks for our soul's salvation, and we give thanks that we know the truth, and the truth dwells in us. And we thank thee for the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And we thank thee, Lord Jesus, that when we're thinking about wrath in this Bible, thy wrath upon the world, we think that thou didst take the wrath of our sin upon thee, on the cross of Calvary and we think of that as an amazing thing give thanks for our time together in thy precious name Amen